One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I hate to break this news to everybody today, but we have got another significant injury within the second captain's presenting team. No sooner had Ken fully recovered from his broken ribs than Murph arrived into the office today, moving gingerly with a cast on the lower part of his arm. Welcome to the pod, hey fellas. Hey, Owen, how's it going? What's the prognosis, Murph? Well, I should say first and foremost that I'm moving gingerly, but that's just because I'm tired and stiff and old. That's not actually an injury. That's just my basic condition. Well, you have, in fairness, you're coming to us having played an All-Ireland semi-final with your adopted county, the Dubs. That was on Saturday, yes, where we got hammered by Toronto. <laughs> the injury actually occurred on Sunday morning, though, oh. playing for the Temple, Temple Oak Sink Street third team against uh, St. Olaf's. Oh, Dave yeah. Olaf? Whichever you you know the club I'm I'm talking about yeah, in Stillorgan, yeah, yeah. Um, the woods, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's more unfortunately on humiliation for the second captain's presenting team. By the I, way, I'm just immediately thinking they won't uh, they won't accept being saying they're from Stillorgan. I would have said Sandyford. Probably. Well, I mean the pitch is in Carrick Mines. Well, that's not Stillorgan either. No, it's not Carrick Mines. Oh my God, that's where the Swift Care Clinic was. That's where I was later Actually, you're on. Close Sunday. enough to the Swift Care Clinic, which is anyway. Listen on, here. we digress. Uh, <laughs> more humiliation as I was saying for the second captain's presenting team at the Swift Care Clinic as we present with an injury where we're convinced that there is a broken bone or two only to be told no are you sure though I'm, I'm not actually super sure I mean I should uh, credit the Swift Care Clinic as ever with the speed with which they dealt with my problem however the doctor did say if that's still sore in a week come back to us and maybe we can do another x-ray where we might <laughs> discover a hair live fracture I'm like I've just the X room. X ray room is literally around the corner. Could have you seen? Have you seen the X ray yourself? I've, I had. I did. I had a did close you look. Apply your amateur eye to this. I did. Yeah, there didn't appear to be anything cloudy. There didn't appear to be any cracks, hairline, or otherwise. No. I've just got what uh, I was um, kind of breezily told was a hematoma on my forearm. Yeah. Uh, which is just like a fancy word for a bruise. No, they have to give you something, yeah. They have to give they you do, something yeah. I mean, to walk away with for them to save face, for you to save face. How did it happen? Uh, well, I actually injured it on Monday night at training. Uh, got through Wednesday night's training, no problem. Played the game on Saturday and then looked down at my arm on Saturday evening and it had turned like a weird sort of yellowish hue. Mm. Uh, and then I played the game on Sunday and I tried to tackle a guy. I mean, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Uh, forward shouldn't tackle. Yeah, and again, I, ca- I can't do it anyway. So yeah. what's the point? This is what Jim McGuinness has done to the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the like, it's, it's humiliating. The, the humiliation began early when I was forced to tackle a player. Yeah. Uh, so I tackled a player and then immediately felt like extreme darting shots of pain coming from my forearm. Uh, then <laughs> someone came on. <laughs> someone came on from our sideline. So that doesn't look great. And I was like, no, that. It was that colour before the game started. I don't know what's happened now to uh, induce this amount of pain. So I was like, ah, yeah, we've got something for that. Nah. Bit of deep freeze. That didn't do a whole pile. And then someone came on with some cotton gauze and just wrapped it up and then put some, like, electrical tape around it. At least none of us can see it now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's a, the out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and then, so the guy I was marking... Uh, he was looking at this kind of going like what the hell is going on here and he was like you know we have a like an actual physio over there I was like yeah maybe I'll go over her to her at the end of the game maybe that's a good idea 
So she was prodding and it's like, I think you should probably go to the Swift Care Clinic. And it's like, ah, it's a broken bone, isn't it? And she's like, well, I couldn't be sure, but yeah, it is. I know, I know. Yeah, play, sure, I, I played through this yesterday, I played, of course. Uh, yeah. I played, played, finished this game as well, of course. But uh, <laughs> listen, you know, it's what you do. You know, you just got to, you got to take one for the team, you know? <laughs> so, of course, go to the Swift Care Clinic. No bone broken. But no, I, do, I do have this split, which makes it look... Well, you do anything to sell your book, Murph, wouldn't you? Jesus. Oh. Playing goals for your club, break a bone for your county. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't even mention my book, This Is The Life, uh, pre-orders available now. <laughs> in all good bookstores from September the 21st. Uh, I mean, I didn't mention that. Is there anything you... Did you want to say that order? Well, I pre-ordered it. I'm just waiting for the delivery. Well, it'll be arrive. around the launch date. That's the whole I idea. want you to physically deliver every copy around the country. <laughs> the many, many thousands of copies. But we should say Ken didn't... Ken did break his... That wasn't a... Ken's swift care issue was over the ankle, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the ankle, yeah. You went, yeah. you presented with what you felt was a broken ankle. Well, there was. It turned a, out it was an old break. It was, yeah. You know, there was a break. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. I had, a harrowing enough, I had a harrowing enough experience in the physio myself recently. Yeah. Went in about, I've had a bit of a lower back issue recently, so I went in. Like Pep? Not as serious as Pep, touch wood. He's gone for surgery, isn't he? Mm, he's off. He's off the moment. He's off the moment. break. No, not that serious, but a little bit of pain. So anyway. If he was a host on this show, he'd be at work. Yeah, well, yeah. you could zoom him, you know. He was zooming. Did, did you see them? <laughs> yeah, one of my little, I was like taking out the AirPods. Take the, like, you, you talk to this lad, will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make head or tail of this lad. The physio had me lying on my back doing hamstring stretch, as in flex, to see how flexible your hamstrings are. So you're are. on your back and you're on your back. Your back. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're just lifting the leg up slowly, yeah. slowly, see how far you can lift it. Yeah. She says the average is around 70. The average, bear in mind, some of the people that come. Yeah. It's not all elite athletes necessarily yeah. going into uh, just a, a normal physio. So the average is around 70. I barely scraped over 50. I'll have oh, to be... 50 I, degrees. I guess it's degrees, yeah. And so 90 degrees would be straight up. Yeah, mm. so I'm barely getting over halfway there. And, the, you know, the leg is wobbling from about 45. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I must uh. get to 50-ish. <laughs> I had a similar issue a few years ago. I went to David Breen. He's now the Munster physio I just saw today. Yep. He was... Former Limerick hurler. Former Limerick hurler. He used to work out in Santry. And it was particularly embarrassing in front of him because he was probably still playing for Limerick yeah. or certainly very yeah, recently yeah. retired. And he, he just gave me an inadvertently withering look when he saw my attempts to yeah. move that hamstring mm. above well, 50 mean, degrees. Not good. On, you know, you, you've, you've, you're cursed with smaller than usual hamstrings. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, yeah. It's just a reality of your body. The running, the running doesn't help, though. Running helps a lot of things. It, it doesn't help flexibility it's, of hamstrings. How do you know they're small, not just tight? She did say both. She said that. Well, she said they're tight. She said they're incredibly tight. She also said, "Here are some exercises to help you lengthen, lengthen your hamstrings mm. physically, mm. actually make them longer," which I have been doing. Well, well, I need to find a little perch around in the office because you're not, you're supposed to sit up on a perch as opposed to on a chair. Yeah. Mm. So Murph, if you see me sitting up on this table after a recording and doing some <laughs> strange exercises, that's all I'm doing. There was a photograph in the World Championships earlier in the week in the athletics of a sprinter warming up on the blocks and doing their standing jumps just yeah, jumping yeah. up from a standing start and it could have been a trick of the camera obviously yeah. but it looked as though he was jumping clean above the head of his opponent <laughs> in the next lane so that's a level that I'm going to get to if I keep up these exercises yeah. we will talk about a dramatic we just want you to be able to tie your shoelace I know yeah that yeah. has you been have no, like that has been a serious struggle Simon yeah, yeah that has been a serious struggle in the last few weeks that's why that's why I went so we talk about a dramatic final night at the World Championships later in this podcast after we chat to Andrew Trimble about the Ireland squad announced yesterday for the World Cup. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Man of the Match report is solely distributed between the numbers 6, 7, and 8. No matter what goes on in the game. 
Keelan Doris, uh, the amount of work he went through, the amount of carries, brilliant footwork, scored that try, but he is my player of the match. Kieran Murphy from second captains will be absolutely delighted. He loves the back row man of the match, but I'm sure he was shouting for Keelan Doris, Murphy, you're listening there. Now it's Porter. He'll pick it up and he'll try and drive through the tackle of Brady Retallick. They go to Sexton now. Arkey flings away. Keenan. James Lowe. James Lowe scores and Ireland take the lead. They want more this afternoon and they got more. All Blacks lining up on their own goal line. He's over. The Hawker scores. Ronan Keller had the try. Simply sensational. Punching it up the middle. Here's the big run from Doris. Joey Carberry, born in Dargaville, the Irish parents. And he struck it pretty well, but it's over! Great kick from Joey Carberry, and Ireland lead again by six. And there's just two minutes on the clock. Well, the All Blacks have it. Can they pull off another miraculous win? They've done it before in this very same stadium, but not today. It's not going to happen today. It's Ireland. They get a penalty right in front. Oh, it's Ireland's day. A huge moment in the life of Joey Carberry. He can put it out of reach. Come the day, come the hour, and the glory will be with Ireland. They've been the better team right throughout. They'll put it into touch and fitting that James Lowe, who had the first say, has the last say. Famous victory again. Brilliant Ireland. The back it goes to James Lowe. How kidding. But the man poured in his innings. Kicks it out to steal an Irish victory. The crowd have gone bananas here. Simon, how are you? Owen, how are you? Murph is not the only Irish sports star stricken with injury over the weekend. Porky and Healy out of the World Cup now with the calf problem. It looked pretty ominous, I guess, when we saw him coming off in the mm. Samoa game. Yeah, it's a funny one because like, he's won so much in the game. He's one of the most decorated players in the history of the game here or anywhere. Um, but it's the timing of it. And you rarely get to see somebody's dreams dashed live on TV in front of you. Like you knew literally by the expression on his face, the gesture he gave to the physios he walked off that uh, his World Cup was over. And as well for Ireland, like it's a loose head is the position, I think, of least strength and depth mm-hmm. for us at the moment. Like we've loads of depth in certain positions like centre and scrum half and a few others. But loose head is tricky and Kilcoyne has been injured a little bit as well. So it's a big blow to Ireland. He can also cover hooker, we should mention, which is important. All, all three front row positions. Can, yeah, of course. So yeah. That's, and in fairness to him, he fought back. Didn't he have, he had that neck injury years ago? Yeah. Which looked like a potential career ender. Yeah, well, he, he, was, he was essentially retired. He couldn't literally close his own grasp of his fist. Mm. That was how little strength he had Not in his arm at one stage. Not great rugby international. So Not he got ideal. back from all that and achieved yeah. everything he has since So he's, he's in sort of in bonus territory, I suppose. Um, but Irish form isn't great, is it, over the war- warm-ups? Like, we've no. scored some great tries, and we did again against Samoa. But even if you think back to the last game against England in the Six Nations, we didn't play well. So that's four games in a row, which is a reasonable amount of time to judge. <laughs> I just laugh, it's over 13 games unbeaten going into the tournament, but you're telling me we're in a poor vein of form. Yeah, and, and often it's with the backup guys, so it's more maybe our depth is the issue. But... Against that again, you've got Sexton to come back. And that's a huge unknown variable, positive and negative. Like you're talking about one of the best players in the world, potentially. But is he fully fit? Is he in form? How many minutes can he actually play? How good are his backups, Crowley and Ross Byrne? So there's a lot swinging on that. And the way that South Africa and France in particular are playing at the moment, we kind of needed to swing positive first. South Africa hammered New Zealand mm. at the weekend. Did it. <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a job. It's outrageous to turn on your television. To, I wonder how South Africa and New Zealand is going and see like South Africa leading 21 Seven nil. forwards on the bench as well. Did you hear that? I, 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 I turned it on about three minutes before the seven. They the grudgingly seven picked on. a utility back to cover all back <laughs> positions. Yeah, yeah. Along He's the seven six, forwards. He was six foot eight and uh, 23 stood. Yeah. The utility back. <laughs> exactly. Nevertheless. Yeah. In 2015, Andrew Trimble missed out on selection for Ireland's World Cup squad, having struggled to regain full fitness after a toe injury. After his omission, he delivered a withering public broadside (sighs) to coach Joe Schmidt. To be honest, I wouldn't disagree with the selection. I didn't really have any complaints. (laughs) Andrew, how are you ever selected again after hammering the boss man like that? 
<laughs> if you take um if you take that was i was playing a long game there so if you take that one on the chin then next time you have a complaint or a gripe then it's got credibility yeah. and actually i always find that with with, with schmidt I, my impression of where I was at was always very aligned with where his was at, which was very different to the previous regime. So I find that actually hugely reassuring. Um, obviously, the, the immediate disappointment and disappointments and understated. I was devastated. I was gutted about the World Cup. Obviously, you um, talked behind his back about him. Absolutely. Absolutely, of course. I'll get it off my chest somehow. <laughs> so you, you were devastated, though, obviously. you, you How fit were you? Because you'd had trouble. The 2014 was your was a huge year for you. Irish player of the year. Won the Six Nations. Then 2015 was kind of injury hit the whole time, was it? Yeah, so 2014. And it was really only the second half of that season where I, I kind of kicked on and started to get a bit of form. And that was um, Joe's first year. So I didn't, didn't feature in the autumn and then featured in Six Nations. Then the following year, I think it was um, first couple of games of the season, I picked up an injury and that was the whole season wiped out because I re-injured it. So as soon as you do the same thing again, then there's more question marks and marks and more people kind of just saying, okay, what's what's going on there? Can, can we expect him to come back in the same form he was in whenever he left? And then came back, had a stress, stress fracture, probably didn't train as much as I wanted to at the start of that summer. And usually that's world cup preseason it's all all guns whatever the expression is i'm going flat out trying to get as fit as possible to be in as good position as possible to execute and all of that i just undermined myself numerous times in the run-up to the world cup and then publicly kind of undermined where my fitness was at against wheels whenever i i thought i had re-injured it a third time yeah. and then i think at that stage you know there's only so much support you know all the credit in the bank kind of diminishes as that year goes on and I think I just got to the point where I wasn't where I was a risk. I was a gamble, and I probably wasn't worth taking um, uh, that gamble on. Did he call you directly to, to let you know? Yeah, he did. And um, just the nature of that, uh, it was a long Sunday afternoon, just waiting. I was at my mum and dad's house, and um, the the thought there is: if you get an email, you're in. If you get a phone call, you're not in. Mm-hmm. But um, it was late. It might have been eight, half eight, nine o'clock, something like that. Um, and I thought, well, if it's gone on this long, I'm bound to be in good shape, even though I had question marks. As the ga- as the day went on, I got more and more hopeful, um, thinking I haven't got a phone call, so probably in good shape. And then as soon as, I mean, there's no point even having the phone call. As soon as you see the name Joe Schmidt arrive on your, on your phone, you may as well just hang up <laughs> because <laughs> there's no you know point. Um, or he could just text you and say, you're not coming to the World Cup. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a hard one, hard one to take. But, but for me, I suppose I was I was devastated by the World Cup, but I was kind of excited about playing rugby. I hadn't played rugby in 12 months. So it was a slight silver lining getting back, just doing the basics again, I suppose. I don't know how many players are in that situation now who genuinely would have felt they had a chance of getting in, but didn't. Jacob Stockdale is an obvious one, probably. But what's most remarkable about this squad is that there's nothing too remarkable about it, I think. Mm, yeah, there's always there's always a bolter, isn't there? Um, uh, Jean Klein um, last time around, um, Connor Murray, you know, um, or in 2011 was yeah. a bit of a bolter. Well, one or two. There's always one. There's always a headline. Keith Earls is the bolter. A 35 year old Keith <laughs> Earls is the bolter in this squad. He, he the, the poor fella's been trying to retire for three years, and he keeps getting <laughs> talked around by various coaches. That's what Andy Farrell was saying 18 months ago. He tried to retire, and Farrell talked him around. I know. I, I think he goes on holidays. I think he's look. He looks forward to going on holiday. And when he goes on holidays, because I bumped into him in, in Mallorca last year, oh, yeah. and um, and he looked miserable. And he I, I was. Uh, and he said, uh, he had. I think he'd fallen out with a few Germans over um, toilet issues in the mornings. <laughs> and I think he maybe goes on holidays, has a bad experience, and goes. You know what? I'm just going to play on for a bit longer here. Um, <laughs> but um, he's. Uh, I, I mean. He's he's had a number of of difficult periods in his career throughout injury, mostly injury, to be honest. But he's always come back, and I think that level of resilience and fight and just ha- you know being able to tolerate everything that's been thrown at him, I think Farrell loves that. I think we've seen over the last over the last couple of weeks just how popular he is. He's yeah. a huge asset to that team on and off the pitch. Off the pitch is the enormous um, contribution from him in terms of that leadership and that senior player, and even just. Even just as something as simple as the the feel good of that hundredth game against England, that try in the corner, how much it meant to him, how much it meant to the team, and everybody else in the stadium. That's all. All of that, Keith Earls brings that to a team. 
and you can't um it, it's very hard there's no kind of tangible impact of that but it's very hard to overlook um uh, what that does to a team in the environment yeah it's funny because Kilcoin makes the squad especially now that Keen Healy is out but even before that there was talk he might miss out just based on his form and a few injuries but that Farrell loves his personality like he's upbeat high energy lots of fun around the camp that's still a thing is it in modern professional rugby that in a tight call a guy might make it in because of his personality and his energy I, I think it's it's massive I think it's um, I think it's a, a huge and I think that this team probably I mean you can see the impact uh, Mark Hansen has had I, I would argue that it's no coincidence the impact he's had on the pitch because of the personality he is off the pitch um, Dave Kilcoyne as well It's it sounds like he is he's the lad behind the scenes he's the one on the mic and the boss he's adding a lot um, especially in a World Cup on a tour in uh, Six Nations yes but you get kind of moments of reprieve you get back to your back home you get your own space but at a World Cup especially if Ireland go as long as we all kind of expect them to go um, you know that's that's a long time to be away from home and staring at the same same four walls um, and it, it can be a difficult environment someone like Dave Kilcoyne will mix that up hugely add an awful lot there I think Jacob Stockdale is unlucky to miss out though would you say or is it a fair call uh, I think I think he's I think he's unlucky if you say to me would you, would you pick Jacob Stockdale I'd say yes but then if you say to me you have to drop Earlsy for that I'd, I'd be hesitant that's why you're not a head and, coach Andrew <laughs> I just find it really hard to I think um, Ireland are in the position where like last time around was the extreme version of this where you kind of maybe what nine months before the World Cup you're you're just untouchable. You're an incredible team. Everything you touch turns the gold. Ireland tried to take the phone off the hook and just uh, everybody else stay put. And let's just if we could play the World Cup now, then that'd be great. Ireland, I think, um, are, are not not in that position now. Just based off the back of the the World Cup warm up games, I just I just think everybody else. It's so so difficult now. I think you have to roll the dice a little bit. And for me, Jacob Stockdale is a guy who has shown moments and glimpses of the Jacob of, of old and I think if there was any chance that he was going to be able to execute and add that to the team he's been loose with the ball he's coughed up but he hasn't he has definitely not he's not been as tidy as he should have been but there's been moments where I've gone oh that looks like Jacob um, 2018 and um, if there was any chance of getting Jacob 2018 back I think you roll the dice and you bring that guy um, he can he can bring even just I mean everybody talks about that at that Ireland back three Jacob can do things that none of them can do. Now he's not doing them. He's not doing them regularly. But I think there's there are glimpses there. And if there's any chance, I think he's he's a gamble you take. It's funny we were just chatting in the office about how unbelievably good and what great form he was in back then. That is a long time ago, but yet it still feels I don't know fresh in our heads. Maybe because he made such an impact that time. It's quite a fall, isn't it? It is, but I, I do think he can get back there. Or I, actually, I, I think he can get close to there. Even at the start of last season, after a full preseason, that's when you usually see Jacob at his best. The start of last season, he was getting into first receiver. He was making stuff happen. He was taking on defenders, making offloads, burning guys physically, um, out outdoing opposition defenders. I, I thought we saw that at the start of the season. He picked up, as he always does, he picked up another injury. Uh, and then I think we didn't get to see that version of Jacob until the last couple of games of the season, but he hasn't had a high profile. He hasn't done this for Ireland, hasn't done this for Ulster in Europe either. He's only done this in bits and pieces. But I think if you if you, if you you were watching Ulster closely over the last year, 18 months, you would have seen moments of that. Now, moments is a million miles away from doing it in a Grand Slam for Ireland or doing it at a World Cup for Ireland. But I just think it's not that spark is not gone with Jacob and it could come back and I think if there's any chance that's a gamble you take yeah it's possibly harder on somebody like Keane Healy who knows that was his last chance for sure I was mm. horrible seeing him walk off but it's a huge blow to him but also to Ireland I think it's our position probably of least depth in the whole squad would you would you agree Loosehead uh, yeah yeah and, and it, it just the weekend kind of changed a lot of things for Ireland um, and we can use this to kind of segue into that, I suppose. But um, yeah, um, Keane coming off was, was worrying. And then whenever you look at that, as, he, as you say, at loose head with the depth there, potentially could could be a little bit of an issue or just not as much strength as, in depth as there is elsewhere. And then you look at the 7-1 the, the split that Springboks <laughs> bring off yeah. the bench at Twickenham and it's just incredible. The bomb squad is just more explosive than ever. 
And that just worries me. We're going one direction and they're going another direction. And it, I think it worries everybody in world rugby, to be fair. But then you add to that the fact that, yes, obviously Kane is devastated. I know the personal element to him. And I know um, uh, Farrell talked a little bit about him. And rightly so, there is a huge personal um, disappointment there. And everything I said about um, Keith Earls applies to Kane Healy as well. Maybe to a slightly lesser extent, he's, he's probably less less of an outgoing character but just the presence there he's such a presence and he's so experienced but um but any from an Ireland's perspective you add to that our line out struggling our scrum struggling now we've we've lost you know some strength and depth there at, at loose head and then add to that as well that performance on on Friday night um you know high ball reception was really poor we coughed up four or five high balls and all of those all of those are where the Springboks are incredibly strong. So they don't need to change anything, do any research, any analysis. They just do, right, well, perfect. All of those things are strengths of ours and they're appearing to be weaknesses of Ireland. So it's um, everything is turning. It feels like everything's kind of turning a little bit, um, not in our favour at the minute. Yeah, the line-out one is interesting because Roy O'Connor was on with you, Simon, last mm. week and he seemed fairly comfortable with the idea, as we all are, that we've got Paul O'Connell in there. Our line-out's been brilliant under O'Connell. We should get this sorted, but we're out of games now. We're, certainly, we're out of pre-World Cup matches. So we've got two games that we should be winning mm. to get this sorted. But are, are you, Plus, they would have worked on it a lot after the England game. You would have thought, yeah, you would have liked to have seen more. Are you concerned about these kind of themes Andrew, or are you prepared to write off that Samoa game as just a necessary hit out in bad conditions that we don't have to actually take any lessons from? Uh, I, I, we could write it off, but if you write it off, then then I mean, in anticipation of that game, I heard the narrative around, yeah, we're traveling the day that we traveled the week before our, the games in France. Um, uh, I can't remember. They were trying to replicate the training week and the travel week and everything to to kind of get like a dress rehearsal for for one of the group games well i don't i, I mean what does that what does that say it was it was either a waste or you know maybe those preseason friendlies have been used perfectly because they are preseason the reason why you play preseason friendlies is because you don't play well straight away you could argue that ireland have ultimately five um preseason friendlies um, if you don't count the test match against uh, Portugal, I suppose is the other <laughs> thing. Um, uh, so yeah, you're, I think they do have time to get it right, but I just don't think Ireland have, over the last 18 months, they haven't looked like a side that need five games to hit the ground running. And Johnny Sexton's only got two games to hit the ground running. So yeah, it, it worries me. You don't want to show anything ahead of the World Cup and pre-season friendlies, pre-World Cup friendlies, are. it's an odd place to be and lads are looking after themselves and worried about injury and yeah, and, and worried about selection and everything, just trying to get that balance right. But our form is 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 definitely a concern at this stage, I would say. It was noticeable just how much things were tidied up by Herring, Ryan and O'Mahony when they came on. And I sort of feel like our depth has improved over the years. It's been a crusade for Schmidt, obviously, and now under Andy Farrell. It's improved, but not at the speed that France and South Africa's depth has improved. And... When you see the reality, as you touched on there, with South Africa bringing on seven forwards, your depth is only as good as it is relative to the opposition. And I just worry that our basics, our line-out, scrum, maul, and also Springboks defence, we just won't be able to cope with what they'll bring. Um, uh, well, we can't we can't go toe to toe with them. We've we've seen teams do that. Teams get their heads kicked in and physically get outmatched. And and there's no there's if we try and do that, we will. 100% be second best um, yeah as you say bringing that experience off the bench they added an awful lot um, I mean I know it, it becomes a bit of a cliche whenever people say you know experience is what wins World Cups um, you have to have a little bit of spark um, um, a, a kind of a youth and excitement and whatever comes with that but we saw at the weekend there just how, how important um, a wise old head like Peter Mahoney, James Ryan is becoming that wise old head. Um, Rob Herring, very, very experienced. Um, you get a lot of assurance for what he's going to be able to contribute there. So, yeah, but it's um, it's it's given other guys um, game time who wouldn't be considered first choice and and feeling like they didn't quite set the tone that this first string would set or, or, or you know, quite far from it, to be honest. Mm. It was a wet night. It was scrappy. And as Andy Farrell said, that was a proper test match. And it was... Yeah, they probably showed some character getting it done, but um, I think behind the scenes he'll be he'll be pretty disappointed, pretty pretty worried about that. Yeah, I guess uh, the reason I laboured the point about depth is because World Cups generally 
are won by the team with the greatest depth. And I never felt like the Springboks were the best team in all three World Cups that they won, but they're mentally strong, they have amazing depth, and they have a simple game plan that they can go to. And Ireland don't have that thing. Like, outsmarting a team is one thing. It's another thing in a World Cup under pressure. I just feel like as you get closer to it, I don't know if you're like me, every every weekend I change my mind about who's going to win the World Cup, uh, mm-hmm. partly because of New Zealand, South Africa, in New Zealand hammered South Africa, down in New Zealand, then South Africa hammered New Zealand this weekend, um, France lose to Scotland, uh, then France hammer Australia. I don't know, uh, maybe we can just, we'll forget all these games, but as it gets closer, South Africa scare me more and more. Yeah, South Africa are, and this is massively just us. The pen, as you say, the pendulum swings back, and at the minute, it's swinging towards South Africa and just how formidable they are. Um, the way they defend is just so so confrontational, and the, the problem from their perspective, and the only chink of light I think from from an Irish perspective is that you can't defend um, with that style. They they gamble. Every time they gamble, they get in the passing channel, they make it difficult, they surprise you with the shape of their defense, they give you less time than you think you're going to have. You can't do that and and make really smart decisions at the line whenever you're putting yourself under pressure as a defender. So that's the only chink of light. And I think um, Mike Cat, Andy Farrell, Johnny Sexton, all these guys will sit down and they will have a plan in place. The problem from an Irish perspective is that um well first of all south africa if they get it wrong they get it wrong quite a bit but they scramble so hard they have so much energy that even if they get it wrong you have to execute two or three really really tricky passes at the line they have to be perfect they have to be crisp and then you have and then you get um corner flagged and the guys kind of scrag you and scramble really hard because there's so much energy and then that breakdown is a nightmare so all of that all of that taken into account ireland have to first of all have a game plan to be able to trick them to be able to outsmart them to be able to find spaces i think that's possible and i think we saw a dress rehearsal for that last autumn last november you uh you might have to weather the storm you might have to take a few collisions but if you keep um, if you keep, keep making calculated gambles, finding space, using those tip-ons, looking after each other, make the passes short, you can find soft shoulders and you can find gaps and offloads. Um, Ireland are nowhere near accurate enough with ball in hand. The, the catch pass is is just nowhere near what it was in the Six Nations. At the start of the Six Nations, uh, we, they have to get to the level that they were in the France game, I think, to be able to execute and to be able to um, capitalise on that South African defence making gambles. And they're not there at the minute. They, they're nowhere near it at the minute, I would say. Oh, Andrew, this is music to my ears. We've had too many serene conversations about our flawless approach to this World Cup and how everything seemed to be just gliding along nicely. So it's nice to, nice to get a bit of angst in there. We need this. This is going to fuel us over the next few weeks, hopefully. And another doubt to throw into the mix is nothing new, but it's Johnny Sexton who has not played since March. Most of the focus in the in his press conference was, was interesting. Actually, they didn't do anything. The, the, pre, his, the first he has spoken about his ban and everything publicly, as far as I'm aware, mm. was when the press when the being squad was announced and he's squad, captain yeah. and all that. So he said he spoke pretty well. He, he said it was annoying that it lasted so long, not the ban, but the actual process lasted seven weeks. He said by the time he actually got his su- suspension, held his hands up. He did hold his hands up. He says, Look, "I'm not trying to play the victim here. I, I did what I did. I shouldn't have done it. You have to face up to it, and that's what I've done." But the, he also threw in the fact that it was an adductor injury that he suffered against England. And it's so, so long ago now. So are you backing him to be fully fit by the time... I know Fully informed. Fully fit and informed and mm. sharp by the time we play that South Africa match. Yeah, I think, Simon, you're right to, to the comparison. There's two different elements of this. Whether he's fully fit, Johnny has probably demonstrated in the past that... Um, he can be fragile at times. He can, in terms of injuries, reoccurrence, and he's just not as robust as he. And he probably had the. It's not. This isn't something that's just happened since he's got into his late thirties. It's probably something that's been there a lot. So that bit, I don't know. And I'm out of my depth there. I don't know. Yeah. Seeing the best guy in the world. Uh, this is like the doctor guy, um, the world of doctor leader, <laughs> in terms of doctor research, uh, research. That's obviously giving him the best chance. In terms of form, I would definitely back Johnny to hit form straight away because he's done that before. He's shown a track record of he can hit the ground running. If he'll be fully prepped, fully up to speed, he can slot in there and he can contribute in the way we know he's going to contribute. But what's more than that, he can shape everybody around him. 
And I'm hoping that's going to see a big uplift in the level of accuracy, the level of kind of clear communication, what's expected, getting that shape and that phase play, and then ultimately the execution. Um, in terms of his uh, all of the all of the non rugby stuff and and the ban and everything, I just I I feel I feel sorry for Sexton. I, like he is, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And on that occasion, he wore his heart in his sleeve. He approached the referee. He had some words. He he was confrontational. He, it was an aggressive conversation. But that is the way Johnny behaves. Johnny has always behaved like that. If he gets banned for speaking to a ref like that, he should be banned for life for some of the things he said to me or, <laughs> or his teammates. You got and, you got to rein it in with the referees, though. You really do. And especially when I think it's even less forgivable when you're not caught up in the heat of the moment. You're not actually playing. You're there watching it. You've got time to think about it and process. Instead, you you walk on and have a pop at them I don't feel sorry for him really he didn't he hasn't missed any World Cup matches yeah I, I well I feel sorry for it I think the whole the whole process was a shambles I do I, I don't think I think loads was made of it I think if you're gonna celebrate the person that Johnny Sexton is and celebrate all the good stuff the reason why he contributes so meaningfully when he's wearing uh, wearing green and as a leader is because he's confrontational he's aggressive he is a winner. He's competitive. He's all of those things. And all of those things mean that it spills over sometimes. And I think if you celebrate that, it's very hard to slam him whenever he oversteps the I, mark. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, is that not the sport? Andrew? It's, it's about control and aggression. Of course, he's aggressive in defence and you know he barks at his teammates. But you have to yeah. control that when it comes to showing a modicum of respect to referees. Yeah, I know. I, I, I listen, I'm, I'm kind of just presenting an, an alternative view here, which I sort of believe okay to be fair <laughs> but i mean what what is the big thing the big kind of earmark of this ireland team at the minute and people have said it time and time again andy farrell wants people to be themselves johnny saxon wears his heart in his sleeve he is himself and he's unashamedly himself and he, he he's come out and apologized and everything but i don't know like it's that's that's a big part of what makes johnny saxon johnny saxton and uh, i have some sympathy for him i think a lot was made of it i think the whole process was a shambles and I, I, I do have. But why a was lot the of process in shambles? Well, it, t- it took seven or eight weeks. Just the length of time it took to actually yeah. get the mm. get the hearing, yeah. get everything done. I yeah. do also think it's a bit weird. Your ban is the same as somebody knocking the head off another player. Mm-hmm. If he, well, yeah, but, that, but that's, a, pro- well, that's a, well, that's a problem with the ban <laughs> yeah. of yeah, the, that should the, be longer. The, yeah. Lack of severity of the bans for maybe players knocking the heads off other players. But just one final story to ask you about, Andrew. Reese Webb, he was in Wales' preliminary World Cup squad. He actually announced his retirement from international rugby at the end of May, subsequently signed for Biarritz. He's been provisionally suspended from playing in France after recording a positive drug test for a growth hormone. It's understood that he has sought legal advice. The player is protesting his innocence. Also, Springbok out half Elton Yanchis is under investigation for a failed test for clenbuterol. He was omitted, I think surprisingly, from the World yeah, Cup squad. Yeah, never explained. And they've had a problem with out half, yeah, so Henry he Pollard is to be, yeah. injured. Yeah. yeah, so he maintains his innocence as well. He's asked for the B sample to be tested. These two, just bearing in mind, these two cases have yet to be fully resolved. Generally, would you do you worry for the sport when you hear these kinds of stories? Uh, yeah, and it's it's it's. I'm in no better position to present an opinion than you guys because the environment that I was in, the only exposure I would have had was Ulster and Ireland for twelve years, and never, never once was there a suggestion. I never came across anything. So all I can all I can tell you is in my experience, there's I've not seen anything in Irish rugby or in Ulster rugby. So that that's the only place I can kind of speak with an authority. But absolutely it's worrying that that this, you know, this is something as I know there was some suggestion that there's um WRU or you know, in the Reese Webb version. And then South Africa, I know um, Yanchis, um, I know there was some off-field stuff as well whenever he left the squad initially, but it is it is really worrying. There's There's been a number of these cases, and I know lads like uh, Paul Kimmage, you know, have had a bee in their bonnet for rugby in particular, mm. and um, it always gets a reaction, but it shouldn't get a reaction. It should not get a reaction because anybody who's who's chasing this, who's pursuing a story, is trying to get to the truth here. We want, we want if there is something that people like me are too naive to pick up on or is going on outside of our um off our radar then absolutely we that could become a huge problem if it hasn't become a huge problem at the minute there's nothing sorry there is something to suggest that this is a problem outside there so hopefully it gets fully investigated and hopefully 
Um, and we've seen this destroy other sports, destroy other sports. And if this is just the start of something where rugby could go one direction or another, I don't know. We're totally speculating here. But if there, if this was to be a threat, it needs to get fully investigated and find out bottom everything out, who's involved, what's going on, um, and yeah, ultimately get to the bottom of it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the last World Cup when Deanti, the Springbok winger, missed out in the World Cup after a positive test. Remember Munster signed in Gerbank Grobler? He'd already served a two-year doping ban. And I guess, I know you didn't see anything in Irish or Ulster rugby, but surely there was chat among players about certain opposition at times. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the, if it's me, my personal naivety, or or maybe like the naivety of Irish rugby in general, or I'm just not. Honestly, I, I've, I've no idea. There were no. But would you not be obsessed by opposition cheating in other ways? You know the way coaches are always talking about um, refs in the build-up to a game, or he looks like he's he's scrummaging illegally. Whatever it is, any little advantage they can get. Surely, drugs are a part of that, and wondering what your opponents are up to. But, but potentially, I, I mean, I, there would never. It wasn't something that was ever really discussed. I suppose a lot of players just thought, well, that's. That's not our. That's not our problem. We're not convinced that it is a problem in the sport. If it is, then it's not really our battle to pick. Um, and and I suppose we just trust other guys that are involved, um, senior figures within Irish rugby or or whatever to 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 explore that, or journalists to explore that, or whatever it is. I, again, I, this it was complete naivety on our part. And that could have been because there wasn't much going on, or it could have been because we just we didn't know. Um, I mean, when you see someone cheating on the pitch, and you see something like in a review analysis or something, it's it's easy mm. to point out, and you can have a conversation about that. But whenever it's completely away from your periphery, you've no idea what's going on, what it does, how it's being tested for. It's it's a, it, I mean, you've got a mountain to climb before you even get to um, a, a bank of knowledge where you can present a credible opinion on that or or have you know contribute to that conversation and i again i'm not saying all of Irish rugby is naive certainly i hadn't a, i have no idea i've never been a part of any of those conversations so i was I, I had no authority to present any opinions really yeah it's funny because you know in athletics or cycling often a cyclist or an athlete will have a sudden improvement or might be later in their career mm. and you can kind of mark it along um, what would be the norm, say, for other athletes. In rugby, maybe it's harder, and sometimes, you know, journalists will re- reference somebody's body shape changing a little bit, but it's not a scientific enough way to go after somebody. Mm-hmm. But it just strikes me, there can't be another sport in the world that's more suited, or you would get more benefits from using performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Um, it- it needs to be all, all of this needs to be fully investigated there has to be full um transparency and obviously kind of get clarity in terms of what happened here how did how did this happen and is this part of something that, that's bigger i mean kimmage you mentioned kimmage there before he's uh, had a be in his bonnet about rugby he's the perfect guy to go after this because he's got a track record of um spotting something having uh, experience of it obviously and then being very knowledgeable and finding out a way to get to the bottom of it and he if he has an opinion a strong opinion on rugby by the sounds of it then I give him everything all the resources he requires to either um uh, either kind of you know fulfill that, that his expectation or you know discover what direction this is going to go um just bottom that out is he right or is he wrong um because if he's right then we shouldn't there shouldn't be something that we shy away from if there is something going on out there in rugby give him everything he needs before this sport gets um gets ruined or gets tarnished or gets anyway impacted uh detrimentally Andrew, great stuff. You've raised plenty of doubts about our ability to go far in this World Cup, which is exactly what we needed, I think, <laughs> after all the excitement this year. Thanks for meeting. Great to talk. Cheers, fellas. It's like something you would expect to see in a porno movie. Joe have Temple Bar, you see them coming out of pubs, vomiting, mm. having sex on the side of the street. It's like something you would expect to see in a porno movie. You know, is that the normal we want in this country? You know, we're supposed to be civilised. As far as I can see, this country is getting more barbaric. Well, I imagine it was like something you would expect to see in a porno movie. What would you see in a porno movie, Mary? What a phenomenal end to the World Athletics Championships in Budapest last night. I know you mentioned it last week, Murphy. Mm. When you get stuck into the athletics, there are fewer more exciting yeah. sports when when you see it being done. They've really best. upped the pace as well. I mean, like, it's actually hilarious to watch the 
7 to 9 p.m. Or it was hilarious to watch it 7 to 9 p.m. Oh, not just the, ath- the athletes have upped the pace, but also no, in terms like of how quickly they happen. Some, uh, someone just runs on and throws like a gold medal on someone, throws the silver medal on. Like, no podium, no nothing. Just get him out, next final up. Dodge the javelin that's about to hit you there. Yeah. We need another but I mean, final. It, it was like just they, they came hot and heavy. It was like a very, very entertaining televisual spectacle Femke Bowl whose championship started in nightmare circumstances in the 4x400 mixed relay on opening night it's the Netherlands and the United States the race for gold in the 4x4 the mixed 4x4 Alexis Harms Femke Bowl falls Femke Bowl falls and the United States wins gold she finished last night, turned the whole thing around with a blistering last 100 metres in the women's 4x400 metres relay to steal the goal that she'd given away in that mixed event. <laughs> Femke Boll driving to close down on Nicole Yergin. She's going to move into the silver. Is she going to take it on the line? Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Can you believe it? Live sport cannot be beaten for drama. Femke Boll has stolen stolen the last gold for the Netherlands that underlines why this is the greatest world championship we've ever seen what a finish that was a pretty footy wow. end to the uh, it was absolutely <laughs> unbelievable about how I was watching on the BBC and about halfway around the last lap uh, the commentator was like well it looks like Femke Ball has decided not to blow a complete gasket and go for the gold she's just running for silver <laughs> trying to chase down the, the Great Britain the, the final run, uh, yeah, runner for yeah. the, for, no the final yeah sorry the final uh, Great Britain yeah. runner and then the like the Jamaicans were so far out in front and then the, the runner of their last leg Stacey Ann Williams she just started running sideways. Like, her hips started, like, going side to side. One of their other, like, there were a couple of Jamaican legs where they went out like a train and then absolutely tied up in the last 50 minutes. 45 seconds before it happened to uh, Williams, it happened to the, 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 the third runner and it was like, it was like a foretelling of <laughs> how they were going to be defeated uh, in, the last, in the last run. So, it was just unbelievable. It was like, ball... There's no way she can do it. There's no way can, she can do it. And oh my gosh, she's ahead. And then she does it by actually, not a comfortable margin, but by, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't just like on the line. Yeah, how she yeah. Nicked, how she not? She's, she's clearly won oh, it by like the end. 10 yards from the, the line, she was three yards behind and she ended up winning it by like three yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no, just it was a unbelievable. Finisher, right? How sweet was it to have an Irish team involved in that final as well? Sophie Becker, Roisin Harrison, Kelly McGrory and Charlene Maudsley qualifying for the final despite the absence of Rashida Adeleke from the relay. That means Ireland had four top eight finishes over the course of the championships with Kira McGeehan and Adeleke obviously putting themselves in serious medal contention for the Paris Olympics yep. next year. Carl Denny wrote a great piece in The Independent over the weekend on the way the sport is covered generally by a large part of the media, the athletics media. The fans with typewriters that David Walsh alluded to during Lance Armstrong's era are now by and large fans with smartphones showering athletes with love when they step off the track avoiding any questions that might irk them. This was in the context of Toby Amusan, the world record holder in the 100 metres 100 meters hurdles being cleared to compete in the games after being charged with committing three anti-doping whereabouts violations in a case that may not be finished and may still go all the way to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Call was on with Dervil O'Rourke with you last week, Murph, on the World Service, mm. recounting the blowback he got after questioning Amusan about the alleged violations in the mix zone. Um, so she is so loved so I fully expected a backlash I've seen this before with Nigerian athletes if there's any form of criticism um, the fans will come which is fair enough as they as they can and maybe they should um, so yeah there's a lot of threats of physical violence and all sorts but I think what was most disappointing and kind of concerning for me is that there was a number of journalists again inverted commas who are here at the championships who stood beside me in the mix zone going on Twitter um, one of them a British female journalist uh, said retweeted it and said this is disgusting and then she said it's an example of the white media trying to racialize it essentially and even though I've asked the same questions of Galen Rupp you know Albert, other Alberto Salazar athletes who are white and American in the past um, and then there's another Nigerian journalist saying you're an embarrassment you know you're irrelevant this sort of stuff and I'm like I know some of the people who control the media here have been kind of observing some of those tweets and been like, that is not an acceptable 
way to treat your colleagues in the mixed zone. And the funny thing is I'm standing there beside them. Not one of them would say it to my face because you could quite easily eviscerate them if it was a actual face to face discussion, but they don't have the courage to do that. They go on Twitter and say, you're literally, you're disgusting for asking what essentially is a very fair question. Um, so it speaks volumes though, for the level of objectivity. And I mean by that, the lack of objectivity across the media. And I know one of the journalists from one of the biggest news outlets in the world and the most respected was sending me direct messages saying he's actually embarrassed by some of the questions that are going on here and people in the press conferences, which Kerry Richardson basically saying, I love you. You're amazing. And then barely even asking a question and applauding at the end of it. There's a, there are a load of good lines in Carl's piece, but one of them, when all you have is a fanboy hammer, every sceptic starts to look like a nail. <laughs> Stay with me a little bit there. Well, we're to listen back to that chat in full for World Service members. That was last Thursday. So have a listen to that if you can. Murph, rest up that injury, big fella. Uh, thank you. I know rest I'm- up your many ailments also. And Ken... Uh, speedy recovery for any pain you may be feeling on this Monday morning. How are you yeah. feeling, Ken? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling any strong ribs? How's the body? Yeah, they're, I wouldn't say they're 100%, but you know they're over 90% now. So yeah, that's all you can ask for. That's pretty much all I all I expect now for the rest of my life. Well, I mean, expect, but it's, that number is obviously going to go down yeah, hope steeply for. every year on year. Aspire to 90% you know? odd. Yeah, yeah, hope for is probably better. Right Thanks, now. Murph. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thanks and for take listening. care out there, everybody. Indeed. Thanks for listening. You can sign up now for all our Rugby World Cup and Premier League coverage and to hear all episodes with no ads. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.